Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. This is the time of year when a lot of times contractors are looking for work. So if you've got a smaller project, something that can be done in that two-week period of time, or if you don't mind having it carry over through the holidays, you need to be calling your contractors now. They typically have people they need to keep busy, and so they are willing to, a lot of times, even offer discounts at this time of year. So, again, this would be the time to be calling your contractors, regardless of what you want to get done. Secondary thing I'm going to let you know, you know, we're coming up on the first of the year. I I know that uh, contractors are all been getting notices from vendors and suppliers and stuff on price increases. Uh, You can expect the cost of everything to be going up probably on the first of the year. Uh, Plumbing supplies have been going up multiple times this year. Uh, Air conditioning materials and and, uh, units and stuff have been going up in cost. Concrete has become an issue on on some things. Um, Fortunately, it's still been available, but I know one place uh, had a uh, that makes blocks and stuff. They almost had an issue because uh, there's two uh, shiploads of Portland out in the uh, on the ships waiting to unload, which was putting everything behind. Now, fortunately, there were other supplies, suppliers that they could go to to get the materials. But, I mean, it, the, the supply chain issues are wreaking havoc on everything and just keeps driving the cost of all projects up. And so a lot of contractors I've been talking to are pretty much figuring there's going to be a price increase on the first of the year because they've gone about as far as they can on eating the cost of this stuff. So really, if you're thinking about getting something done even after the first of the year, I would highly recommend that you be talking to your contractor now and possibly go ahead and get contracted so that you can lock in the pricing. Because like I said, most everybody's looking at increasing for the first of the year. The suppliers have already been doing it. That's business to business. But now the business to consumer end of it is going to have to start playing catch up uh i I, re- I personally just don't see how they're not going to have to do that uh with some of the increases i mean i just saw increases on air conditioning units of anywhere from eight to fifteen percent in the last weeks and that was like the third or fourth increase this year contractors got to go up plum uh, plumbing supplies, you know, for uh, PVC pipe and, and uh, different things have just skyrocketed. So it, it all adds up and has to be addressed somewhere. And I'm, I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, the company's got to eat it. Companies don't eat it. They work for a profit margin. And when that profit margin's not being reached, they got to adjust pricing. That's just the nature of the beast. I mean, that's that's why the owners put money into their companies is to get a return on that money and that that's what they're working on so uh you you can expect that's one of the things that's going to happen uh i do believe 
we're going to see some adjustments in pricing in the next year or two, but it's not going to come back down. Uh, typically, once the prices ratchet up that way, it's very difficult to start getting the, the stuff to come back down in cost. Uh, lumber has actually started dropping a little bit, but it's it's not getting anywhere near back down to what it was. So you can expect that's going to continue on. Uh, so, again, if you're thinking about doing a project, uh, this is one of those situations where I think you're going to be better off sooner than later in order to take advantage of the the cost while you can. Uh, the other thing that makes it more advantage right that advantageous right now, the interest rates are so low uh, that you you can bet the interest rates will be going up, and so you might as well take advantage of them while they're down. Hurt, how are you today? Good, sir. How are you doing? Man, I am just doing wonderful. <laughs> Great, glad to hear it, and uh, happy holidays. Um, you as quick well. Question for you regarding. A uh, fireplace. We have a five-year-old home in Joshua, the custom-built home, wood-burning fireplace, and we're having a lot of reverse flow issues where our smoke is blowing back into the house. We right. tried uh, extending our flue uh, to bring it above the roof line a little bit. I did that myself, but the only problem is now I'm getting a little bit of water leakage whenever it rains. It's dripping down into my actual fireplace area. Okay. Uh, I'm looking if you've got a good idea for a contractor to help me out in this situation, or I don't understand the dynamics of how roofs work with uh, pitch and uh, fireplace flow and, and all that stuff. So I'm kind of lost on this one. Is the top of the flue, you know, where where things come out, ab- above the uh, peak of the roof? No, sir. It is lower than the peak of the roof. It's on the... Uh, back side of the house and the peak is actually taller uh i put an extension on it and it's still not breaking the uh, peak of my roof line okay and how, how close to the peak is that fireplace it's about if you were to walk up the angle of the roof it's probably about uh 15 to 20 feet before you hit the uh, peak of the roof line yeah that's going to be the problem then uh you you're on the right track that it's got to go higher up when you went higher, uh, what did you put on it for a cap to, to keep water from going in it? Anything? Uh, I bought a, uh online uh, topper that looks kind of like a hurricane in a way. It's got a whole bunch of different bended pieces of metal that's yeah. supposed to increase the flow uh, to help with the problem, but I haven't seen any change when I put that top. Well, I put the topper on, and I also put like a six-foot... Uh, uh, single piece extension to go on top of the existing flue, but I think I've got a double flue and I only put one piece on, so that yeah, might be an issue also. Because you got metal, correct? Yes, sir. It's a wood frame with a metal flue. Yeah, it's going to be a double wall, and the reason for that, the inner wall will get hot as the heat's going up through it, and the secondary one is to keep that heat into the wood so you don't start the house on fire. So, yeah, it's going to be a double wall. And so right now what you got is the water is going down on that. Basically, they're going to be an inch and a half apart, and the water is probably going yeah, down sure. between the two. So, yeah, you need to get a, a fire chimney person out. I don't know any out in that area. Uh, and I'll get to the break here in just a, a second. But uh, the, the biggest problem is going to be uh, – 
they're, they're going to have to extend it with the double wall, and that in itself would probably take care of the water issue. Uh, and then okay. you just have a cap on top of that. So if you want to try to do that yourself, you can go to a, a fireplace store, and and actually uh, Tractor Supply may carry some of these pipes as well. Uh, but you just need to get that double wall in, in order to run it out. So get it above the peak of my roof, dude. Yep. Double wall, and um, and realistically, you need to be when you're that close to the peak. You need to be 36 inches above it. Wow. Okay. So 36 above the peak. Yep. Um, and this is going to sound kind of crazy. I tried to seal it, and this is probably a fire hazard. I probably I tried to seal it with flex seal tape around the outside. That's probably a bad idea. I'm guessing. That's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. You're, you're, you're uh, going to yeah. end up getting a, a, a new house doing that. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think State Farm Insurance would enjoy that. No. Nope. <laughs> so, okay, All right. uh, then I'll Good. work on that, and I appreciate it. Thank you, you for bet. your time. Good luck, Kurt. Jeff, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So I'm doing a remodel, opened up my walls, and found I have a cast iron pipe uh, in the wall for plumbing for the upstairs bathroom that runs uh, – connects to the downstairs bathroom the it's a pier and beam home and and previously the underground piping has been replaced the cast iron has been pulled out but question is i know that can break uh with foundation shifting and things like that if it's uh horizontal but vertical like that would a major pipe need to be fixed or ch- uh, changed out for a pvc or is that cast iron going to be okay in a vertical position Usually in a vertical position, it's fine. Uh, what happens with most of the cast iron is when it's you know laying down and, and fluids are going through it and stuff, it, it starts to deteriorate. But usually when it's up and down, I mean, you open it up in the wall there and you can't tell that that pipe's 40, 50, 60 years old. It looks like it's just a couple years old. So it's right. going to depend right. on the condition of it. But if it's still nice and, and it's got the, the nice black finish on it and everything, no, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Even if it's an 80-year-old pipe and it does look okay from the exterior while I got it torn out, does it make sense to change it? or I mean, it, can it last forever kind of thing? Uh, it's one of those things that can last forever. Charles oh, in Brazoria, how can I help you? Um, it's the best problem in the house. Uh, uh-huh. I've got... House built in '89 with the cellulite uh, insulation. Uh, check the ductwork, and it looks good. I sealed around the vents. Uh, were uh, vents coming in? So I was looking at maybe removing the um, cellulite and replacing it with fiberglass, or get an um, out uh, fresh air inlet into the AC system, or something else. Maybe you can think of uh, what would you recommend I do first. Built in 89, so, you know, we're talking 32 years, and that's about when cellulose insulation does start to degrade and, and get a little mm-hmm. dusty. But normally it's it's not going to uh, create a huge problem in the house right away unless there's somewhere for the dust to get in. So where all did you say you sealed? Uh, I'll, it's a two-story on the second floor around the uh, vents. Okay. Air ducts coming in, did all that. And that's all sealed up. And it seems to be worse on the second floor than the first floor. Okay. Uh, one Another place that will need to be sealed is uh, down the um, light fixtures and such. Yeah. And around those electric canisters 
you know, where the, mm-hmm. the box is up there. Seal around all that because that'll help as okay. well. Um, but if if you're getting more of it upstairs than you are downstairs, it really does sound like there is some type of leak in the the AC system. Uh, somewhere in the ductwork, something has got to be leaking to, to be doing that. Okay. Um, what do you think about the fresh air intake? I was you told I pressurized the house instead of sucking it in. What's your opinion on that? Well, uh, I th- that's that's critical on almost all houses that they have that. But uh-huh. if you got an air duct leak, the air yeah. shooting by through the duct will actually vacuum uh, the dust into it because it pulls it in as the air goes by. Even though it's pushing air out, uh, mm-hmm. it, it will pick up that dust and spread it in the house. So. Uh, I I would definitely have it checked for uh, some type of leak somewhere first. And it could be at the plenum. It could be where the duck hooks to the plenum or anything there forward. Okay. And the fresh air, you don't think I I should go with that? Check more leaks? I I would check. I would do the the full leak test first. Okay. And I I had a guy look at that. He said it was okay. Uh, So maybe I need to look again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, w- okay. I would look a little further. Okay, well, thanks a lot. You bet. Take care, Charles. Okay, bye-bye. Again, 713-212-5874, and I'll see what I can do to help you out. You know, uh, any leaks in the in the ductwork can cause those type of problems, so you definitely want to get that addressed. Let's see. We're going to Santa Fe. Mark, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you so much. Um, I'll tell you what my problem is. I sent an email earlier where I have uh, a house that was built in 1985, foundation. We completely have redone the house, um, remodeling and everything, took all the laminate flooring up, and we noticed that there was under the barrier some wet spots here and there. It was a little bit you know, concerning, but we put some um, dehumidifiers in there and got rid of the majority, if not all of it. Had a guy right. come in, tile everything, and that's been about three months. And now we are finding more and more effervescence that is coming through the tile. Uh, we've tried effervescence cleaners. We've tried heavy-duty acetic cleaners, and nothing is keeping it away. It just keeps coming back. So it's getting bigger and bigger in different areas. Yep. Yeah, I saw your email. In fact, I have it flagged to actually address it today. So. I'm glad you called in because I did have a, f- a few questions for you. Uh, you know, w- well, first of all, the main reason it's happening is you got to be getting moisture into the concrete. What causes that effervescence is when a chemical reaction that moisture in the concrete causes between the, the rock that was used and some dust that was typically on that rock will cause this problem. And uh, so... I'm wondering if some, something has changed around the house on the drainage or or anything that could be adding moisture to it. You know, the reason you didn't see it much before was that uh, laminate flooring you had down had that vapor barrier under it, and so that trapped everything under that. But now, with the tile that you put in, uh, you're going to have it coming up through those grout lines simply because they're porous and, and allows that moisture to, to come up through there. So they do make products that you can put down 
on the concrete in order to minimize it, but your floor is already in and it would require taking the floor up because going through the grout lines isn't going to be enough to stop the, the problem. Uh, but if we can address where moisture is coming from, that a lot of times would help to minimize the effect. And then the air conditioning system being on uh, and keeping it dehumidified addresses the rest of it. So my first question for you is going to be regarding the air conditioning system. Is it keeping it dehumidified well and keeping the humidity levels down? I'm really going to say yes. Uh, we had this is a, a we just bought the house. We had it all inspected and everything, and even had an AC gentleman come in and go over the system. And he claims it was working really well. He did change some parts out, and okay. I'm saying yes. Okay, uh, and and just for everybody listening, now 55 percent humidity is, is really a great humidity percentage. Uh, you get over 65 and you're not feeling comfortable in the house and you will have a bigger problem with the effervescence uh, as the humidity levels go up. So you may want to get a humidistat and just double check the humidity levels. Um, Beyond that, uh, now we've got to start looking around on the outside to see how the drainage is to make sure we don't have any puddles or anything like that uh, that is putting moisture into the concrete and that there's like at least four inches of concrete showing on the perimeter beam because when it's higher, that means the water can get into the concrete easier. Um, you know, the, the flat part in your home is only four inches thick. Okay. But the grade beam around the perimeter is typically going to be 18, 20, 24 inches, you know, something along those lines. Uh, so you want to have at least four inches of concrete showing around the perimeter. Okay. Um, what year was the house built? This is uh, 1985. 85, okay. So it's not going to have uh, cast iron pipes under it. It's going to be PVC plumbing. So chances of that being the problem are, are pretty slim. Uh, are you getting the efflorescence everywhere or just in an isolated area? In three different rooms, mainly the master and a living room and also into a den area. It's three separate rooms, basically in three separate parts of the house. Okay, so that pretty much is going to rule out it being the the uh, plumbing underneath. So uh, I really think we're going to have to take a look at the, the drainage to see if it can be managed that way. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I guess I'll start on what you're saying is like downspouts and everything like that, just trying to get it going. I mean, get the yeah, water completely you, going. You want water to be at least 5 to 10 feet away from the foundation. Do you know how long after we go ahead and make the recommendations that you're saying that we should start seeing a difference? Long enough if that you're going to be mad one. at me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you you are probably going to be looking at about six months. Okay. Well, it's worth it's worth a try. I mean, it's definitely we've been trying already three months. Yeah. Uh, to try to take care of it without without helping, but yeah, we'll give it a try. Okay. I'll give you a call back. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, Dan. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Mark, you have a Merry Christmas. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, 713-212-5874. Uh, and just real quick, if you're having an effervescence problem, you know, there are products 
that when you have the bare concrete that you can put on that soak into the concrete to help control it doesn't necessarily eliminate it but it does help control it but it, it really is a moisture issue with moisture getting into the concrete just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us hello joe good afternoon how you doing i'm doing just fine how are you today i'm doing great doing great hey i've got a fireplace that uh flute uh rusted out uh corroded the, the previous owner they didn't have a cap on the chimney uh-huh. and i know because I, i've just recently looked into it and how uh, fireplaces are, are all they are is just to look pretty right so i was thinking about putting in in um wood burning uh fireplace or insert and i didn't know how hard that was i didn't know if i had to break the brick apart or if i could just slide it in there um t- typically you're going to end up dismantling to put uh, the other one in um because you just said that you were looking at putting in a wood burner one correct yeah because the fireplace it doesn't have gas to it and it's just you just put logs in there turn on the fire right. and then okay up the house. well the reason you end up typically dismantling stuff is it's got to be sealed to air to you know the the pipe going up and everything to your flu and right. if you just put an insert in uh, it's not going to do the up part. It, it's only going to yeah. you. You can only put an insert in as big as the opening itself. And if you look in the fireplace, there's typically space above the opening and going out to both sides. Uh, so the the opening is usually smaller than than what the firebox itself is. Gotcha. So would it have to come from the back end or from the front end, meaning the back end from the, the outside of the house to break the brick apart, or would it be wiser to come from the front end? It all depends on the, the box that you're getting. Now, right now, does it have a box in it, or is was it a, a brick inside? It has a box in there. I don't see any brick in there. Okay. Uh, more than likely, then, you'll be coming in from the outside. And so you'll have to have a brick mason come in to to do some dismantling for you. So that's something I couldn't do myself. If I did it, it'd start tumbling down on me. Uh, I would not. Yeah, I would not recommend it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you, you, you'll be you'll be sounding like me where where I broke my toe taking apart the the, the rock off of the facing of a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a, a merry Christmas. You as well. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Stan, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing wonderful. Okay. So uh, I'm having a back patio uh, uh, concrete busted out, and I'm Mm going to use pavers for the base. The intent for the pavers at this point is, and I'm having this done, is uh, for the pavers to go all the way up to the house. This concrete patio was poured the same time the house was poured, so it's it's connected. There is no expansion there. Uh, and the, like I said, the plan is to take the patios all the way up to the beam. And what, what I'm a little concerned, but the, well, how old the house is it? That, uh, it was sixteen, twenty sixteen. Don't do this. Don't do this. Nope. 
you've got a post it's already halfway busted out are they not running into cables Oh, no, it's all rebar. I mean, okay, so it is a rebar slack. Yes, sir. Ninety-five percent of the foundations are, are going to be post-tension cables, but yeah, if it's rebar, then you'll be okay. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely rebar. I mean, it's got rebar in the in the patio even, but no okay. base in the patio, obviously. But you know, right now they have they have sawed it within a foot of the beam, um, and they started busting it out. And then I guess they're going to use something, he says, something gentler to bring it up, you know, to the beam. And obviously, it only needs to go down like four inches or something. But, right. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of a little bit freaked out about it. Oh, don't be. Um, be even if they're using just a, a regular 90-pound jackhammer versus a 65-pound electric hammer, uh it's 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 going to be fine. Uh, are you going to feel some rattling in the house? You bet. Because if it's monolithic, it's it's going to definitely sound a yeah. lot worse than it is. Yeah, uh, but, I've already felt it, but that's and that's just ten feet out. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're <laughs> but, you're, uh, you're going to feel it, but it's it's not going to uh, cause you problems. It's it's just going to scare the heck out of you. Yeah, I mean, you know. So uh, I'm, since you're in the business, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I mean, I, I have to go inside people's homes sometimes and jackhammer holes and stuff. Uh, yeah, and and like I say, that. you'll you'll feel the vibrations and, and you'll think, oh, my gosh, it's going to shake the whole house apart. But in, in reality, uh, you're not you're not shaking anything apart. Uh, now. I'm going to tell you a, a couple of things. One, if if you got real valuables in in pictures or something that's hanging on the wall, take yeah. it down. Yeah, I know. I've, I've noticed that. I went back in the house the other day, and they were kind of cattywampus, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and something that's not got a really good hanger on it uh, could fall yeah. off the wall. So if you got something that, yeah. that's valuable to you, take it down. And actually, same with anything that's on shelves, uh, uh, you know, like a, you got a collection of Hummels or something like that that you don't yeah, want to have yeah. bouncing around, take them out because they can move around a little bit while this is happening. Yeah. But okay, that makes me feel a little better. Um, they've been trying to make me feel better. and But, you know, I still, you know, I don't want to be doing something ignorant. Yeah, no, no. As, but, uh, as long as it's not a post tension slab, you'll be fine. No, and, yeah, and if it's is not, I, I yeah, and if it's a, myself, so. okay, you're I mean, smart because you know if I was going to build myself a new house and I was doing a custom home, uh, I, I would not do a post tension either. I would do a conventional rebar slab. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Have a merry Christmas a and and enjoy the new patio. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the vibration isn't going to, you know, break sheetrock and windows and things like that unless something's already in tension. Uh, you know, if you've had, say, some foundation movement or something like that and stuff's in tension, yeah, then, then you could look at something. But in general, you really got nothing to worry about when it's uh, vibrating. Now, I was said I was going to talk a little bit about post-tension versus rebar. And... Honestly, if I was going to build a home myself, and I, you know, building a custom home, I would build a rebar slab, not a post tension. 
Uh, the track builders, oh, they build the heck out of those post-tension slabs because it's a little bit cheaper and a little bit faster than going with conventional rebar. Um, but the problem is, you know, when they first started coming out with the post-tension, they put the, the tendons quite a ways apart. I mean, they were going like eight feet apart. And then over time, they started bringing them closer. And then they decided, well, that's too expensive. So they started moving them back out again, but making the beams thicker on the home. Then they put rebar in the beams. Sometimes they even put wire mesh in the four-inch part now. And, and they keep adjusting things and moving things around. The unfortunate part is typically the biggest reason they're doing it is trying to adjust the cost of building these foundations. And you know what? That's not where you want to be saving money on your home. Can the foundation be replaced in a home? Yes, it can. Unbelievably expensive when you do that, though. Uh, it is better off to pay just a little bit more and do the foundation right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to describe, I built a, a shop here in the, in, uh, oh gosh, I guess 06. And I put the perimeter beam three feet deep. I put the cross beams 24 inches deep with rebar in everything, including the four inch mat, which I actually made five or six inches. I don't remember now uh, using rebar in it. Did it take a little bit more? Absolutely but it's a nice rigid foundation. So when the soils move and the soils are going to move, the whole foundation will move as a unit instead of having these ups and downs. You know, post-tension was originally used for doing bridges and things like that where it gave it a little flexibility because concrete, believe it or not, has flexibility in it. The problem is when you build a structure on top of it that has sheetrock, which our homes do, sheetrock has no forgiveness when it comes to movement. And it starts cracking up. Where if you build a nice rigid foundation, it can tilt the whole foundation. And quite frankly, until it gets you know four or five inches, you typically won't notice it. And you're not going to see sheetrock damage and cosmetic damage. Uh, and so that's that's the biggest thing. So... You know, am, am I going to say I, I wouldn't buy a house that has post-tension cable? Absolutely not. I mean, I would I would buy one, too, if I was out looking for a house. But if I was building new, I would be looking at a rebar slab. James, how are you today? Hey, good. How are you? Doing well. Um, I have wood floors that are kind of messed up from some dogs and... We had the hurricane a couple months ago that came through, and I got some water in one of the bedrooms, and it had carpet. I ripped the carpet out, and the flooring that I have in the house now, I'm not able to find in any stores. Right. So um, could I sand the floors to... Uh, Basically, what I, what I want to do is, is match up the floors to the right color. Um, my OCD is, is just not... It's driving you nuts. And yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, uh, how old a house is it? Built in 85. Okay. And you didn't flood during uh, Harvey? No, no. But you got uh, water in it during that last yeah, little... I think, 
I think um, maybe the window was maybe a little bit open. We uh, it, it, they gotcha. used to have an animal in there. Got rid of the animal a while ago. Okay. Um, and I think the window just stayed open a little bit. Gotcha. Well, if this is a wood floor, you absolutely can sand it down, restain, and finish so that all the floors match each other. Okay. Um, even if it's a wood veneered floor, a lot of those you can sand once or twice and refinish okay. them. So, yeah, the, the the short answer is absolutely it can be done. Okay. And um, what what would the finish be on top of it to, to kind of give it a little bit more, make it more durable since I have dogs that are always constantly running around? You know, a, a lot of times people want to go with a polyurethane, and I would not recommend doing that because it seals it too tight. Okay. And it, it causes them to cup with moisture from underneath. Oh, okay. Uh, and when you want to refinish it, it's a real pain. If you'll go with the old-style wax finishes, okay. uh, when a dog scratch it up a little bit, it's real easy to uh, just buff it out and, and be done with it. Okay. And um, does, does Home Depot or any tool rental place have a, a, like a sander that I can rent, or what, what would you recommend going for Yeah, that? you'll have to call around to some of the, the tool places. Uh, I think home, some of the Home Depot locations actually do carry them. And and you're going to have to have two of them. One is the big walk behind. Uh, uh-huh. That's for doing the majority of the room. But you got to get the little hand sanders for and get corners. on your hands and knees to do the edges all the way around. Okay. Awesome. Oh, all right. no. That, that, it, it, there's nothing awesome, awesome about it. This, you're you're no, getting ready to get yeah, some no. really back-breaking work done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, no, when you I'm get ready to, f- just, yeah, when you get ready to finish them, though, the, the, the big trick on the finishing is to make sure you get all the dust up. And so after up. you've after you vacuumed and done everything, they make those uh dust oh rags and mops and stuff for uh-huh. going back and taking the rest of the dust off the surface. Uh it'll cost a few bucks, but make sure you do it because it makes all the difference in the world. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. All righty. You take care. Yes, sir. You too. Bye. Jerry, listening to us on 740 KTRH, how can I help you? Uh, thank you, Jim. I have two questions that I could, please. First has to do with ACAC about maintaining systems and hiring a company to come out and check them each year, obviously checking the heating system before you use it and then the AC system before using it. Right. Uh, and what, regarding that, those checkups, what should something like that cost? I'm not looking for... What what should be a fair price? I realize it seems like they're all over the map. They are. Uh, and, and let me preface this by saying I own an air conditioning company, uh, Due West Air Conditioning. And the reason you see the pricing all over the, the chart is a lot of companies use it as a loss leader. Uh, they'll say, you know, we'll come out for $29.95 and check your system at $29.95. They've got to find something to sell you in order to break even. Typically, the break even mark is going to be something in the 120 range. Uh, and a lot of companies do charge up around that $120 range. Uh, so they break even and they don't have to force 
the tech to find something to sell you to break even on it. Uh, I'm what all air conditioning companies are looking to do is keep you as a customer until you need a new air conditioning unit, and that's when they make their money. I had an email question that came in from Paul yesterday, and he says, bathroom exhaust fan squeaks only when wind blowing outside. It must be the dampener above the fan that is squeaking. How can I reach the dampener or the damper, and how can I stop the squeak? All right. So there's actually two things that could be squeaking. There typically is a flap where uh, the the air goes out, you know, uh, if it's going out the side of a house. Now, if it's going out, say, uh, through the roof, then no, there's typically not a flap up there. But you're correct. There is one right after the unit itself. Uh, typically to reach it. You got one or two ways, and it's going to depend on the unit that you have for an exhaust fan. One is you got to go up in the attic and remove the hose, and the flapper will be right there. And typically, if it's squeaking, it's probably just got it's on a little metal thing that lets it flap back and forth. That's what's going to be squeaking, and hopefully, you can just put some. Uh, Oh, some graphite on it or something like that. You don't want to just spray WD-40 or uh, just regular oil because that will uh, take on dust and can actually make the problem worse in the long run. So you use uh, some graphite or something that's not going to hold dust as it's going by in order to lube it. Now, on some of the fans, you can get to that uh, flapper by just removing the cover inside uh, and the, it's right there above the fan motor. And so it's a little difficult to get through the fan blades to get to it. But, you know, a lot of times you'll find it that direction as well. So it just depends on the exhaust unit that you have. But I personally would start by removing the cover underneath because I'm going to look for two things. One, is it the flapper that's doing it or is it the fan blade itself? Because that can squeak as well. Uh, if if it starts wearing. So that's where I would begin. I'm about to acquire a portable generator, an 8200 starting, 6200 operating watts. What options do you recommend to connect to my home in the event of a power outage? Home is gas heat of about 1,340 square feet. My main concern is powering the furnace, refrigerator, and kitchen. Thanks. Let's see here. If you're going to have this where you can hook it up to the home, uh, have a, an electrician come in and put in a box that you can plug the generator into the home. And that way they will have preset the circuits that will be operated by that generator. Uh, and there's two reasons for doing that. You know, when the freeze hit in February and uh, they were doing the rolling blackouts on us and... There really wasn't people out repairing the lines all that much during that. It was more of a generator problem. But most of the time when our power goes out, there's somebody working on the lines. And if it's not hooked up properly, what will happen is you will backfeed. And that person who is working on the line will get electrocuted. So in order to avoid that, they have a switch box that when it's enabled doesn't allow the power to go down the line 
that's used to feed the house. And it will only operate on whichever circuits you have hooked up to the switch. So you could have your furnace hooked up to for the blower motor to go. Won't run the air conditioner, uh, but should be able to run the, the blower motor. Should be able to run your, uh, let's see, what else did you have on there? Um, refrigerator and the and the kitchen now the kitchen eh, that could be a little iffy you mentioned you have gas so if it's a gas cooktop you won't have any problems at all uh, but if it requires uh, say a 220 for an electric range not going to happen uh, don't don't you don't get clean enough power out of a portable generator to run something that big and it'll it'll run it but you may do damage to it i'll put it that way uh so save it for lights and furnace and and necessities of that nature so it all begins with bringing in the electrician and and please i know it costs a few bucks to do that it is well worth the money that you spend on it the last thing you want to do is hurt somebody down the line uh, because it wasn't hooked up properly so just my two cents there on on getting it hooked up and I, and I will tell you I've I've uh, haven't done it for my personal home but I did have these hooked up for my offices so when there is power outages uh, we can keep things going and I highly do recommend doing that it's it's a great way to uh, have backup power uh, on my personal home I'm probably gonna install a whole house generator because uh, I just don't have the best power service where i'm at it's uh always having outages now typically the outages are just a flash and we're, we're back on but uh when we have long-term outages i'm like everybody else i, I don't want to freeze the next time you've just heard the best calls and questions from texas home improvement for more information about our show go to thipro.com 